0: Just a quick announcement before you get into this episode of Cybersecurity Decoded. Our latest annual report is now available to download for free. That's free of fees and free of registration. You can just download it from selabs.uk slash AR. And if you want to know about threat intelligence, details of how we test security products, and find out who won in our security awards, Grab it as soon as you can from selabs.uk/slash AR. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Decoded. This is a Series 2 bonus episode featuring a full-length interview with Michael Santonas. Mike is CTO of CrowdStrike, a company that produces software and services that focus on detecting and handling threats to the endpoint. We talked about how security companies choose which testers to use, what pay to play means in the security testing world, and why some vendors avoid testers like the plague. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a large security company. You, you're doing really well. You've got some major clients um, and you're engaging in testing. So, you're obviously going to make good judgments about who you work with. And obviously, we're very pleased that you're working with us. But, how do you, in general, assess a test to see if it's going to be any use to you and your customers
1: uh it's a good question i mean at the end of the day uh the big thing for us is transparency um where when everybody knows what the rules are when uh it's not sort of a you know pay-to-play sort of test that's behind uh the curtain and then you just put out a result um you know, we want to work with with testing centers. Uh, we use the test to build better products. At the end of the day, I'd rather be finding holes in the products that we, we provide. I'd, I'd rather find the gaps. I'd rather find the areas that we need to improve before an adversary finds them and uses it um, in, in a way that impacts one of our customers. So transparent testing is key. Um, as you know, Simon, we do it all the time. We're, we're constantly testing our products every single day and, you know, we challenge the team internally to, to engage in all of the tests. Uh, we, we focus on having a testing transparency page. So on our website, you can go and find out our results from, from all the tests that we've done and you can track us, uh, over time. And I think that's really important.
0: You made a, a slight offhand comment there about pay to play. I think this particular concept might be not that well-known. Could you elaborate a bit more on what pay-to-play means when it comes to security testing?
1: Well, I mean, there's testing that you can do that doesn't get published. You, you pay the testing centres to uh, evaluate your product, and if you get a good result, you publish it. If you don't, you go back to the drawing board, you fix your product, and then you go again. And, so, you I mean, could
0: just keep testing all year until you get a, an anomalously good result and then say, woohoo, we're fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, which, uh, you know, look, they're, they're, if you're trying to build a better product, then I think if, you know, if you, there's one way you could look at that, you could say, you're trying to find, like I said before, you're trying to find the gaps in your product and you're trying to build a better product for your customers. So, from one perspective, you know, I can see that there's some value in that. But at the end of the day, um, that goes to those questions where we talked about gaming the tests a little bit. I think if you look at all of the different tests that are out there, you'll see certain vendors that turn up at every test and you'll see vendors that don't and you'll see vendors that favour one versus the other. You don't want to be cynical about it, but I think there's a reason why you see some in some vendors turn up to some tests and some will not will avoid it or cost the others they might do the pay to play to see how they go and if they do well they'll they'll go live with the test and if if they don't they'll hold it back
0: right so they may be testing regularly but they're only appearing every so often because that's the only time they got a good result
1: yeah absolutely
0: how about testers faking results for commercial purposes
1: testers faking results is that what you Mm, do you think that's ever happened um look I, i don't know of uh of specific examples but i i'm i'm absolutely sure there's been a few tests over the years that i think are a little bit questionable um when you when you look at the results and you know obviously it's not hard to to simulate the tests and to to look at the the results and you know if you especially with cloud products you can see what the testers are doing you know that's the whole concept of EDR we can see how our products are being evaluated so that that gives us the ability to understand how other products might be you know being evaluated so you know that I, I won't uh, I won't lie there's certainly been situations where we question some of the results um equally some of the tests that we see that that have happened I'd say a little bit questionable in terms of how the results can interpret it. I like the fact that you guys publish the test results, you don't leave it up to the vendor. And I think there's a couple of examples where it's hard for the for the consumers of the test results to decipher the results when every vendor says they won the test.
0: You might be alluding to um, to MITRE here because I know the MITRE guys get very frustrated that they do these tests, and then every vendor reinterprets their results and say, "I won." And Mike would say, "Well, there is no winning," but you know, it doesn't stop the certain vendors from from using the results in their marketing.
1: Yeah, correct. Then look at and, and and we we look at the results, and you know, we're proud of some of the ways that our product behaves in Miter, and we'll call it out. So I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sort of shy away and say we don't do that. Of course, we do that. Um, you know, but equally, uh, there's an example of, um, you know, testing real-world attack end-to-end versus sort of log decoration. Can you put the word mitre on a, on a kill chain? Uh, that's the cynical part of me coming out. And, you know, you kind of incentivize to behave a certain way, um, which I think, you know, we've got, to, we've got to help people through that, which is, I think, super important.
0: At the beginning of our conversation, I alluded to the idea that, testing had a somewhat shady uh, reputation is that a perception that you've had over the years
1: um it has been i mean uh, uh, the part that sort of frustrates me is that that you know uh, our vendors incentivized to operate a certain way i mean there's so much writing on this right At the end of the day if your product performs exceptionally well that directly correlates with sales if your product tanks in these testing then then people are going to be worried right because a lot of organizations don't have the time the resource um and, and just the patience really to do these end-to-end testing they don't have the, the the teams and the the years of experience that you do and your team does as an example so they rely on these tests and i think you know over the years we've seen examples you know we we, we know of tests in the past some years ago where there were some vendors that were detecting 100% of attacks, and that's because they were detecting 100% of all files as bad. No one was testing their ability uh, to, to, to decipher what's a false positive. Uh, so he had these great marketing claims. We detect 100% of everything. Yeah, you do uh, detect 100% of everything, the good and the bad. How, how do you think testing will continue to evolve in the future? Where, where do you see
0: this going? I think that it will evolve to incorporate more combinations of products. So, for example, even within one vendor, you can have an XDR solution where you've got endpoint protection. You've got uh, various network boxes in play. We're already doing that. Actually, we do XDR and NDR testing. Um, but increasingly, we're, we're seeing clients, not vendors, but um, your customers, if you like, saying, can you evaluate our, our configuration? So that might be a combination of Microsoft um, Defender. It might be CrowdStrike Falcon. It might be some whitelisting added to that as well. And they're saying, have we done this right? Have we got everything covered? Do we need actually all of these things? So I think that it it depends on the tester and what their business model is. But it seems to me there is a demand for a third party opinion on how things are set up rather than just should I buy this license or should I buy that license?
1: awesome yeah i mean look i can say that would be uh hugely beneficial for uh for an organization to to engage you guys to do that
0: please subscribe and if you enjoyed this episode please send a link to just one of your close colleagues and that's it thank you for listening and we hope to see you again soon